0: Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, and Merry Christmas. This will be our uh, last episode before Christmas. So, um, go to my Amazon list list if you want, which I don't have, but whatever. I don't expect anybody to send me anything for Christmas. Anyhow... So this is Tom Davis, one of the uh, episodes recorded uh, at the World Championships. So um, get some. It, it was a fun one sitting outside uh, watching the beach. So it was kind of cool, um, and uh, a little bit more about the World Championships. So a little bit of. Um, you're in stuff. I know it's been a while since I've said uh, give us a like on iTunes. You can do that. Um, looking if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast or maybe a donation. Uh, hosting fees are coming up again soon, next month. So um, if you want to help out, cool. There'll be a PayPal link. If uh, you want to got a business, product uh race and you want to sp- reach our vast audience um let me know just send me an email phone call smoke signal telegram whatever and uh we can uh see what we can do uh what else would I talk oh i've been using a new light from gemini lights the one thing that i have in common with nathan Favey Um, nice light so far I like it, really bright maybe even too much for trekking in a race but great for biking uh, kayaking or if you just want to light up the uh, world for everybody but I will be doing a a full review of that pretty soon well after Christmas when I have a little more time and that's it Uh, remember Talk to your friendly local adventure race and or any other race director and tell them you want your uh, legendary Randy at the race. And they need me and want me and I should be there. Um, Too needy? Maybe. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, Go fast, take chances, and uh, Merry Christmas. Alright,
1: I take this with, uh, this is going to get boring on the podcast, but I take this with me every time I go to a race, but I almost never have a chance to talk to anybody, because it's always been busy afterwards, but.
2: Yep. so, alright, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tom Davis, racing for Team Endurance Life, and I'm here with Randy Erickson in the 2016 World Adventure Racing Championships.
1: And correctly, it's legendary Randy Erickson. Sorry, the legendary <laughs> Randy Erickson.
2: Okay. Gotta keep the brand going. So, um, how was your race? It was pretty good. Uh, I guess we finished two and a half, three days ago now, so I'm um, getting back to the point where consciousness is possible. Um, we finished in, I think it was 34th across the line, so reasonably happy with that. Is that came kind to of meet your expectations? Yeah, I think we were probably hoping to be a little bit quicker, but um, we had a team where all of the members hadn't actually met each other before yeah. we arrived in Australia, so. There was a little bit of kind of working out what was possible, um, but unfortunately that was taking out taking place during the first few stages of the race. <laughs> well, at least um, you had time. Well, exactly, and you know, as everyone always says, the hardest thing is getting to the start line. So we, we got to the start line, we got across the start line, but then we had to do some of the discovery and uh, the discovery of what everyone was capable of during yeah. the race itself. Um, but generally speaking, it went really well. Uh, we didn't have any major disasters, we didn't have any major nav issues, we didn't have any major so, yeah, yeah. So, who, did, who are your teammates? Uh, so, uh, there's me, Tom Davis, and Ben Turner. Uh, we both race for Endurance Life back in the UK. Um, there's another UK racer called Kevin Stevens, who um, races for an, another one of the sort of established UK teams. Uh, and then we were hooked up with our female compatriot, uh, Lena McKnight, uh, who's from Mississippi in the US. Uh, and we were put together by a team for a of convention. Um, you've done it on a podcast. Yeah. Um, so... I didn't even know there was another
1: American in the
2: race. Yeah, so uh, Lena will be around. them, no doubt she'll uh, say hi to you guys later. Um, yeah. But yeah, so Trevor. Um, Trevor does some great work for the sport in just yeah. putting teams together. and He's managed to enter something like 15 teams into this race. Yeah, it's pretty uh, amazing. Actually, still a facilitator and putting together people who want to race. Um, so he came up with Lena for us, so we're very grateful to him for that. Um, how...
1: How do I put this? Was there a little trepidation not knowing your teammates going into the race? Or do you think everybody was experienced enough or on the same footing of experience?
2: Well, I think um, the three guys, we all know each other from the UK. Uh, Ben and I have raced together many times in the past. Um, Kevin and I have raced against each other many times in the past never actually on the it's almost team. the
1: same as racing with somebody yeah pretty
2: much um, Kevin, and Ren, Kevin and Ben raced together in Godzone this year so they knew each other well so it was mainly about uh, how Lena fit into the team um, her level of experience her uh, fitness and so on and you, you can do so much over phone and Skype and email but until you actually see someone in real life it's, it's, it's kind of difficult yeah um, so it went pretty well um She, I think, probably had a little surprise in the first opening few stages as as to just how fast we went off the line. Yeah. Um, And we had to do a bit of a rearrangement of sort of kayak seating, so we ended up putting her with the strongest paddler in the team, um, and then we reassigned some sort of, you know, changed the weight from one person to the other so she could travel a bit quicker. Mm. Um, And that all seemed to help really well. So, so yeah, it works well. So,
1: it's... um been having a little bit of this discussion with people, but uh, we decided that a week in an AR is like a year. So, why did it take you a year to get to know with most people you know
2: now? Yeah, you know most people's deep dark secrets within the four days of a race, don't you? Yeah, um, I, I guess it's just one of those high-pressure environments. You, you get to see people at their best and at their absolute worst. Yeah, you know when they're tired, cold, hungry, under stress, under pressure. Uh, some people step up to the mark and some people kind of retreat into themselves and, yeah. and wait to be helped um, luckily I'd say that everyone on our team really stepped up um, yeah. especially Lena you know she didn't she didn't know us she was she you know put us in a position Sorry. of trust I guess yeah. um, she wasn't entirely comfortable with some of the things that we were doing you know. the rapids at night were uh, were a Particular low light for her, I guess. She <laughs> was uh, she was pretty nervous about that, but yeah. certainly Ben on our team is, uh, is a very good whitewater guy, um, and he was able to just say, look, just do this, do that, keep paddling, everything will be fine. That's cool.
1: Well, and and you know that she has has to have a certain mindset to
2: show up in an Australia and race with three people oh, yeah. that she doesn't know. So. Yeah, I mean, she, she is one tough lady. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very impressed with, with what, she, what she managed during the race. You know, it, it was way outside of her comfort zone and we were going faster than she was comfortable with, yeah. but she didn't, mean, she didn't mention quitting once, just got her head down and got on with it.
1: Yeah, well, that's uh, the that's, that's way you guys are. <laughs> so, did you, did you have a particularly good and bad point in the race, personally?
2: Um, I guess starting off with the bad point, the the long trek up through the castle, um, we were moving pretty slowly on the, on the climb up to the castle and then in that section between the castle where we you're going over the saddle and ran through Monolith Valley, um, we were moving really really slowly, we were struggling to find the, the path, we were, we'd got into that zone where you're not allowed to camp overnight, um, so it was a question of having to keep moving, but people were getting pretty tired, you know, sleep on their feet, tripping over. And just looking at the pace we were making i just thought oh, we're going to be up here for 36 hours or so <laughs> um so luckily ben we put ben on the maps because i was pretty tired um and he didn't of finding the path Yeah, you know, it's difficult because the rig shown on the maps is pretty much purely indicative of where the trail might run in real yeah. life um and it's you know it's it's head high thick bush up there so when you do stumble on the trail it may be running east west and you're expecting yeah. to run north south uh, but what it's actually doing is running east-west for fifty yards, just to get around some obviously unseen obstruction in the bush, and then it'll actually go back to north-south, and then it will go east-west again. Yeah. Um, so actually, kind of determining the overall direction of travel. Pretty tough. Uh, but we managed to push on. We got through to, um, I reckon it was about three yards the other side of the uh, no camping line, and pretty much immediately put a tent up. Um, and that after four hours sleep then pretty much translated into the best part of the race because we woke up at seven after maybe three and a half hours sleep, put the tent zip up, zip up and it was just glorious you know it was the, one of the most stunning views uh, yeah. during the race just surrounded by mountainous peaks, um, crystal blue sky, everyone felt better having had some sleep and some food and it we was just yeah. you know, raring to get at it. The sun,
1: sun always makes a huge difference. Oh, yeah. but, you know, that's the rule of adventure racing is
2: never make a decision in the dark absolutely absolutely. you I mean,
1: can ever make it to sun,
2: sunrise we, you, saw, we we saw a few teams having uh, big arguments um, at one of the transitions I think one of the guys wanted to pull out Then um, you know, 3am it, it was raining it was cold the, the, the girl everybody argue, wants
1: to pull yeah, out the captain. girl arguing
2: with him <laughs> Turned to us as kind of a like moral support and said, Look, tell him, tell him. <laughs> and we said, Well, we don't even know what this is about, but what we would say is, you know, don't make the decision now, get some sleep. Yeah. Come back to it in the morning. You, you're so far ahead of the short course cutoff, you've got time to sit and rest and think about it.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's, it was a pretty generous cutoff, so I think, I mean, I've talked to a few teams that had some issues, and it, it's funny how much, yeah, four hours of sleep can improve your
2: body. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's great, I mean, I have to say in this race I got more sleep than I think I've ever had before in an expedition race,
0: yeah.
2: um, and as a result I'm probably feeling a lot, whole lot better than I usually do yeah. after a race.
1: Is that just because of the timing for different legs, or yeah, what, was did you plan on it? Or?
2: Um, I think we always planned on having slightly more sleep in this. Um, we did have some tactical sleep so that we caught the tide up the Clyde. Mm-hmm. Um, because we didn't fancy five hours of paddling into it. You to want to hear the best story about that? So I'll far. Go.
1: The BMX bandits. there's a caravan park next door. Mm-hmm. They went over and rented a cabin, did they? and had them call and had pizzas delivered. Oh, nice work! And had and, and slept three hours. Got up at midnight when the tide was going in. Yep. It's like adventure yeah. racers can be brilliant sometimes. Yeah, that's
2: pretty good. We d- we did look at the caravan park. but We decided we only needed to be there for sort of two and a half hours. Yeah, so pretty well worth it. Um, yeah, personally
1: it, I just like saying caravan park instead <laughs> of campground <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. um, so yeah, other the highlights of the race um, I really enjoyed I was surprised actually I really enjoyed the pack rafting section uh, yeah. um, it's, it's not something I've done before and I've always been a bit dubious about introducing pack rafting into adventure racing mm-hmm. um, I think it's it's another barrier to entry in yeah. terms of it's equipment crew. cost, yeah. um, You know, the things are heavy and bulky and yeah. they take well, up a lot well. of baggage allowance, yeah. um, but I think for this race it worked really really well. Um, yeah. Well, it was nice you didn't have to carry them for
1: a day and a half, yeah. just for a ten minute. Yeah, the, I mean they're not light,
2: um, yeah. even the expensive ones aren't light. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, and it would have been nice if the river had another thirty or forty centimeters of water in it, um, because we were using the double rafts and we kept on getting stuck. Yeah. Uh, but even so, it was, you know, it was good fun. Yeah. I, I should tell people in case it's really noisy,
1: which it is, because we're sitting out. We're sitting outside the civic center, the race headquarters, looking at the harbor and the ocean, and so.
2: Enjoy our, wives, our yeah. lives don't suck right now for everyone back in the uk it's uh 31 degrees here at the moment so uh, <laughs> enjoy your snow in fact at home in south
1: Dakota, it's been like 70 until like today apparently and they started getting a little snow so but yeah so knock will be nice when we get back <laughs> so um when you guys got to see the, the rough course outline like a week ahead of time what what was your first impression other than man that's a lot of paddling
2: yeah a, a there was a lot of paddling um we had pretty much predicted most of it i guess um i'm actually living in sydney at the moment for oh. six months um so i've got a bit of knowledge of the of the local area yeah. um and through a few guys at work who are keen outdoors guys you know when they first released a course outline i said where can you go caving, followed by spending a hundred k on a river? And they were like, "Oh, I'm going here and then down to Shell Haven." Yeah. So it kind of worked out, you know, roughly where the course yeah. was going to go. Um, well, if, if you can figure out
1: that little piece of course, then you know that it's got. It's probably going to which direction it's going
2: to run, and it doesn't help. I have to say, yeah, it doesn't yeah. help no, knowing where it's going to go. But you still got to get there. You still got to get there. You've still got to navigate your way around it. But um, I thought it was, it was a good course. I thought it was maybe a touch short, um, especially on the trekking sections. I kind of would have—I would have expected to have that course, but with another long trekking leg thrown in. Um, well, like, I, don't, I think there was some
1: talk that some people said like if that if that trek had been another six or eight hours, it
2: could have made a huge difference yeah. in the race. Yeah, because I mean, th- there was only really one major trekking section, and it was—you know—it was a—it you know, it was, was a beast of a section. It was, it was a great trek. Um, because the, the first long track was more of a co-steering thing. There wasn't yeah. much elevation gain in it. Um, so if, if maybe they'd swapped that first one out for something with you know, a serious amount of height gain or include another track, I think that would, have, that would have been about it. I'm not saying that would have played particularly to our strengths, but um, it's kind of more the length I would have expected from the world championships. But yeah. That's, well, coming from, that's coming from me, and the only other worlds I've done was Costa Rica, which was a huge that's course, so. Well,
1: I think, I think to me this race is a, is a direct answer to Costa Rica, Ecuador and Brazil which were just I mean, here it comes
2: again folks this put the racing back in adventure racing this race. Yeah and I think it's done exactly what Craig set out to do which was provide you know an exemplar of the way a world championship should be run. I mean it's been superbly organized. The course has been well thought through. The logistics have been great even yeah. the weather turned out pretty good Yeah well and you can't argue with the results for being a race. With no exactly I mean all right, we, we, we missed most of the excitement because we were still out on the course, but it sounded like, you know, AMK were chasing Seagate all the way around, yeah. and then there was a massive fight for third, fourth, fifth, sixth.
1: Yeah, which is, you know, it's, it's starting to become a little bit more of the norm, but not not really, not not in a eight-day race.
2: And I think, um, certainly from catching up on social media and, you know, internet coverage over the last few days, um, he's done a great job of, you know, it's pretty much exactly what Brazil didn't manage to do last year, which was yeah. get live coverage out there, live video, yeah. um, constant updates, really good tracking, Um it's made, peop- it's made it really easy for people at home and around the world to watch it.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that, especially the tracking using the double system like that was, I mean, one one point in the race went to the tracking and it showed every tracker at the finish. And then five minutes later, everything was back. So yeah. What? Who knows what that was? But they had to reboot the system. So, but and it w- and it worked when you needed it. It's like, yeah. All right, they're going to be here soon. Oh, the tracker dropped out. Yeah. You know, God, hate, there's nothing worse than that when you're watching.
2: No, I mean, I've, I've, family and friends have all said it was. You know, the coverage was really good. We were able to log on anytime and see exactly where you were, how long you had to go, yeah, what you'd been up to. Yeah. So so what's, what's your background? What got you into this? Um, I started out racing about five or six years ago, I guess. Um, and I got into it through a corporate adventure race. Really? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've i been living a fairly unhealthy lifestyle, I guess, smoking and drinking and you know, generally having fun during my 20s. Yeah. Got to my 30s, thought I'd probably better clean my act up a bit. Um, not the smoking on the head, took up running. Um, and then someone at work said, oh, you should come and do this. Adventure race. Didn't really know what it was, um, and it was. A, it turned out to be quite a big thing in the in the UK. It was sponsored by Microsoft, and you know, a hundred of the UK businesses really? took place, took part in it. And it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a normal adventure race, but with added mental toughness. So rather than just dipping, yeah, write points, some code in the yeah, middle you of the you race. <laughs> yeah, write code or solve puzzles or you know, checkpoints varied in value according to what time you got them at so you had to work out what orders to do them in that <laughs> <kind of thing. laughs> so I, did, I ended up doing that for about two or three years we ended up doing fairly well at it. I think again second one the year we never quite managed to win it um, but we started doing sort of more normal adventure races as a you know just short sprint races as training for that uh, and kind of one, li- one thing led to another um, and I started doing more and more adventure racing Yeah, a little bit of mountain bike racing um, took up orienteering um, as a way of improving my navigation, um, up, so nowadays I'm pretty much out orienteering twice a week, adventure racing whenever I can, um, and it just got kind of more and more serious really, I just fell in with a whole group of friends and, and compatriots who, who also race, and we started doing exped races, the first one that I did was um, Terex in Scotland in 2012 I think, yeah. which was a good in- introduction into how cold and miserable Scotland can be, and, it and it can to be, be really, really cold and miserable. It can't was it? supposed to be midsummer. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- after that we took on a couple of international races, um, just short things, um, and ended up doing the Worlds in Costa Rica in 2013,
1: um, Iterra 2014, um, and now we're here. Yeah. So, Costa Rica, what? It was an interesting
2: race. How, I mean, how did you guys do? Uh, not brilliant. We, we got short-course um, towards the end. So we, we missed the really long, um, the really long canal paddle. And right, and you really so you didn't ride. miss much. So apparently we didn't miss much. We, we got over Chiripu, um, which was probably one of the longest tracks I've ever done in my yeah. life. I think we were out on that stage for 58 hours or something. Yeah. So
1: what do you learn about, one, adventure racing, and two, about yourself?
2: When you do your first really long, you know, seven-eight day race, uh, I guess the first, the first thing you learn about yourself and adventure racing is that no matter how good you think you are, and I think we went into that race thinking we were fairly fit, fairly competent adventure racers, we were pretty much instantly humbled by just how big the course was and how good the guys up front are. You know, I think Seagate and. Whoever it was, Thule, I think, in that race, just went off, and I think they were probably doing twice the speed of us, and that's quite scary. When you, you know, yeah. occasionally you get a look at a tracker and I just think, you know, they are now a stage and a half ahead of us, at <laughs> two days into the race. And you just yeah, think, how, you know, how is that possible? Um, but it's, you know, you just pick up little things um, and. You know some of those lessons stick with you. You know, just try not to stop for anything. Sort it out so you can eat on the bike without stopping, eat on the run without stopping. You know, use you know, using energy drink on the kayaks. You haven't got to stop paddling to take in food. You've just got a camelback, and you know you can just slurp away and get some nutrition. Um, navigation, um, particularly Costa Rica, don't trust the maps. You know, the, the maps we were using were, I think, mapped in 1970. Yeah, we found holes whole towns that weren't on the maps yeah. um, but contour features never changed so it, it took us a few days to realize but you know if yeah. there's a mountain there that mountain's the probably mountains gonna, be on gonna the map. move right yeah. 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 but it's just little things like that you know in the uk our mapping is is superb it's you know almost unbelievably good world, world leading so having been brought up on that and not really knowing anything else you kind of learn to trust the map um, so when you put into a situation where the maps are severely deficient, it takes a while to get over that kind of. Well, the map must be right. It's a map. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Costa Rica was good. It was it was a brilliant experience. A very very tough course. Yeah, I
1: mean if you're gonna jump in
2: big, jump in big and oh, you learn what you to learn, right? Yeah. Yeah, I
1: mean
2: we that was that was probably the scene of my worst ever moments of adventure racing, but you come out the other side strong. No. Okay, well, that's, okay.
1: That's brings me to my question. Best and worst six hours ever of
2: adventure racing. Um, worst has got to be Costa Rica. Um, and it will probably bring a shudder to anyone that was there, but the mangroves from hell on stage what, five or whatever yeah. it was. Um, it was supposed to be a 65k kayak loop around the mangrove swamp. Um, the mangrove swamp, as said, it was mapped in 1965 or 1970. I can't imagine they put too much effort into mapping yeah. it in the first place. Um, and it had a, what, something like a three or four metre tidal range. Um, so there were channels through the mangroves that existed at high tide that just didn't exist at low tide. And we just got ourselves completely in not looking for a passage through. They Eventually decided it didn't exist and the maps were wrong. Um, and decided to do an extra 20 or 30k loop to get to a control um, and I think we were probably in the boats for getting on for 36 hours during that stage without leaving them once there was no water out there yeah and there no place to yeah, sleep yeah, in the boat there was absolutely no dry land whatsoever yeah. no water um, so yeah we spent 36 hours doing what if you know, you know if you look at the trackers it basically looked like a massive pig's tail loop um, <laughs> covering something like 90 plus kilometers um, and ending up with uh, four very hungry very tired very dehydrated adventure races crashing into transition uh, about 30 places lower than they should have been um, so yeah that wasn't really a highlight of uh,
1: <laughs> well some people you know, in some, some certain circles that is a highlight
2: but now we're looking um, best six hours, uh, probably in Red- Mediterranean last year in uh, Sardinia. Um, I was racing with a friend of mine in um, a race that... They're new organisers and they're looking to put on a race as part of the European Adventure Racing Series. Um, and They invited us to go out. And it was a fairly small field, I think it was only six or seven teams invited. Um, but the final day of that, uh, we had three stages which were... Uh, a mountain bike leg which had an overall thousand meter elevation drop um, so from pretty much right up in the mountains all the way down to the beach which was just down fantastic rocky single track the whole way down. Um, once on the beach the kayaks were waiting and we kayaked 20 kilometers long and if, if, you, if anyone, anyone's ever been to Sardinia you'll know that the waters off Sardinia are just a crazy turquoise blue color that looks like yeah. it's been photoshopped um, and we stopped off to do it um, a canyoning section which was just pure fun you know five abseils down the canyon uh, before finishing um in the in the local town and i think you know at that point we knew we'd we'd won the race um all we had to do was stay ahead and we had something like an hour's buffer so we were able to just kick back and really really enjoy it and it was just three of the most fun stages i've ever done and then they had champagne and local delicacies and everything waiting for us at the finish line. We just feel like proper adventure racing okay, heroes. Only seven teams. So we enjoyed it. Well,
3: hey,
1: a win's a win. I don't care what it is. I will take that one. And you don't have to explain. You know, as far as anybody knows, seven teams is a huge field. If they don't know adventure racing. I can always claim that one of them is Seagate. There you go. <laughs> um, are all your friends racers, or do you have friends that have no
2: idea what you're doing this week? Um, I have friends who have no idea of what I'm doing this week. Well, by now they have some idea of what I'm been doing. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: most of them have, have
2: now watched some of the YouTube clips and the interviews that you've done, and you know, particularly the, the guys at One Eye Open who. Doing some of the live yeah. coverage here, um, they did a really, really good. This is what adventure racing is about. Five-minute short yeah. um, clip, and I've you know sent that around on Facebook to a few yeah. people, and you know I actually had a few comments back going, Oh so this is what you do? I never really understood it before. I always thought it was triathlon, or, yeah. you know, or whatever." Which is one of those classic.
1: Oh, are classic you re- are things. you doing one of those mud runs? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah. That kind of thing <laughs> makes you want to bang your head off the wall. But no, I'd, I'd say most of my most of my friends are probably non-racers. But uh, they kind a, of
1: get what you do?
2: Yeah, they understand. Um, and my partner, Nikki, um, she's a racer too. We met at an adventure race, so... Um.
1: See that, but that can... Well, all right, this opened up a whole other can of worms. Um, that's usually good, but you guys
2: you race together can you go to races at the same time yeah. um yeah but it's just been made more difficult by the fact we've got a six-month-old daughter uh, so okay, i think so. from now on we'll be uh, tossing a coin although um yeah. nicky's made it very clear that the next race is her turn rather than my turn well um, that's that's only more than fair well yeah and i need to say a massive thanks to her actually she's, she's been brilliant supporting me coming into this and then looking after the baby for two weeks while i'm off racing so yeah. thank you very much uh, much appreciated and uh, Godzone's yours if you want it.
1: Well, you know, Godzone's coming up.
2: It is indeed, and we might actually be in New Zealand at the time, so there's an opportunity for one of us to do it. And
1: at the time of this taping, like an hour ago, there was a um, Moxie from Ireland can't go, so there's a spot
2: open. I might have to get in touch with Chris Caulfield then.
1: (laughs) He posted it on
2: the Teammate Finder page. Oh, yeah. Okay. um, so, yeah, I mean, we did go racing together. Um, not so much recently, obviously, with the baby around. Yeah. But, um, we used to race um, sort of, you know, in, in local sprint events, 6-hour, 12-hour, yeah. in the pairs category. We did, we did fairly well.
1: So, well, that's kind of, I, you know, I've talked to married couples or couples that have raced longer ones, but never as a pair, just, you
2: know, always as part of a team. Yeah, we've never raced as an expert. bed team before we've yeah. raced in the same race but on different teams yeah. so we both did um, Iterra in Wales in 2014 yeah. um, racing against each other on different teams do you um, think about her when you're racing
1: when she's on another team
3: um,
2: yeah I think about her a lot
3: generally, generally yeah, yeah,
2: some of the things I mean ITERA was a fairly safe race I guess yeah. so I wasn't too concerned about that Um I was more worried about her when she was racing um, Red Galathea um, over in Spain yeah. last year, and I wasn't. So I was you know, glued, See, to, glued to the trackers for a week, wondering what she, what she was up to. See, for me,
1: it, it's the opposite. If, if Paulette's at a race that I'm covering, I'm just, like, worrying all the time. Where, where, but, like, when she went, like, in Patagonia, or she ran the Pyrenees this year, it's like, I don't even worry. I mean, I, 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 it's more I'm hoping she does well. So, but when I'm close to her at a race, in the same race, it's like, where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she? At? So it's kind of two different ways of looking at it. But, so, why do you think ten years from now you're gonna
2: pair up to do a world championship? Oh, I hope Yeah, I I mean, I'd love to. See. She really wants to get back to full fitness after the baby. Um, so as soon as she can get back to training, then she will be. Um, and yeah, you know, she's a really good expert racer. She's she's not as fast a sprint racer as some, but for expert stuff, she really comes into her own. So yeah, um, yeah I'd love to see her racing in the world championships. I'd be very happy to race with her. So
1: um, for you, what's your, this may not be the same thing, but what's your favorite and what's your best part? or discipline in
2: racing what do you really like to do and what are you really good at favourite discipline is usually the next one <laughs> <laughs> or at least the first five minutes before I discover that yeah. that hurts as well yeah um, I guess I'll always, I'll always be a mountain biker at heart that's how I got into the, you know adventure racing in the first place really through mountain biking and, and so on um, um, but recently i um, I think the navigation for me is. Yeah, I'm an orienteer. I love maps. Um, I'm usually the team navigator. Um, so I think it's the challenge of the, the challenging strategy of route finding would be really good. And I, I would say that's probably the only race, only place where this race fell down a bit for me um, was that there was a lack of route choice. You know? yeah. There was a route. You know, it was the obvious route, and there was, there was very little to be gained by deviating from it. Yeah. It, it, I need to know is to keep the ocean on the left well, I, I can navigate that I, I'd have liked to see a, a you know a trek section that had a big route choice option in it you know do you go further but flatter or do you take the shortcut over yeah. the, over the mountains you know that, that kind of strategic thing so what do you think about races with optional
1: points so this scenario somewhere in the middle of the trek there were like five or six optional points. It requires some really bad. Which, for a top team that wants to win, I'm it But,
2: I mean, they're not I mean, they're all you know, optional, but you got to get them if you want to win. So, this is basically how James Thurlow's iTerror race is run. Right? So, you've got mandatory controls, and you've got optional ones which have penalties if you don't go to yeah. So, you know, you're not. You're not kicked off the race, but you're you know the overall you're not win. the overall reckoning is on okay. your overall time and the penalties are such that the penalty for not going to it far exceeds the time it will take to get to it. Yeah. So um, I have to say I prefer a pure linear format race. Um, I think the sort of semi-score format. Causes its own problems, and I think as anyone that watched iTerra in Ireland knows, as soon as you have to start changing the course, it becomes a little unfair on teams that have already expended effort to get optional controls. Um, if later, you know, you can have a strategy where if you're strong on mountain biking but not strong on paddling, you could drop some early paddle controls to focus your effort on the mountain bike stage. If that mountain bike stage is gets, gets cancelled, then it leaves you at a massive disadvantage. Um, I think there's a place for both formats personally I prefer the linear format in that you know, it's just first across the line wins and I think they did that really well here at the Worlds in that you know there were no dark zones that were required off the clock time adjustments you know, ok there was a dark zone where you weren't allowed to paddle but you were allowed to move and I thought that was a, that was a great compromise
1: um,
2: it just makes it so much easier for people watching the race to understand what's going on if it's first across the line yeah, and I think that's part of a really important and bigger question as to how, how we grow the profile of adventure racing in mainstream media and it has to be something that's easy to understand otherwise we're not going to get more people into the sport and we're not going to attract more media attention to it yeah. if you have to explain a really complicated formula yeah. where control A is worth 10 points and control B is worth 5 points yeah. but if you go to control B you haven't got to go to control C it just loses people
1: yeah that's a, that's a really good point yeah that's, from a
2: spectator's point of view yeah,
1: yeah. I mean I,
2: you look at some races I mean I think the European Championships was one of them you know it, it's just too complicated for people to understand and that's coming from a racer you know yeah I, I, I kind of I, I looked at the dog watching and I, just, I couldn't tell who was in front and the scoreboard wasn't being I think it was being updated using geofencing which Works reasonably well, but only if your tracker happens to update while you're within 150 meters of the control. Yeah. So the the scoreboard was out of date, and it was you know they had 35 teams, and the tracker site wasn't great, and I just gave up on it. In the end, I was just well, if I can't understand it, no one else has got a hope. Yeah. Not, know, the friends friend, friends and family are just going to look at this and you go, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And that's bad for the sport.
1: Yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe they just need.
2: I don't know. This one worked good, so I maybe maybe they finally have found the
1: yeah, magic I mean, I, formula. I,
2: I can understand why score formats exist, um, and I think there's a place for them. Um, and not every race organizer is prepared to do what Craig's doing here, which is to keep a course open for eight days, yeah. which is twice as long as the quickest team takes to go through. Yep. I mean it requires a huge amount of effort and extra logistics and you're keeping transitions open for five days where in a school format you may have to keep them open for two. So yeah. I can understand why race organisers do it, but for me and for the sport I think the linear format is best.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. But like um, one of the things I think you could do and probably should do for the World Championships is introduce some kind of qualification to ensure that the teams here are reasonably competent to maybe lessen the spread between the front of the field and back of the field and,
0: yeah you know, just something like that but,
2: but look at this I mean there's only
0: like
1: three short course teams yeah true and, yeah, and there's going to be two that probably aren't going to make the finish so yeah. boy boys sure
2: didn't need any. So for the, for I for this, mean, for this race, it's fine Yeah. Because
1: but but part of that is because there's 45 Australian teams, and they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. So i um, because yeah. I think
2: yeah. the yeah. to be Limited fifth. Yeah. No, so I think that's all. I don't know much about that area, but I get the feeling that's going to be a fast race.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good race. I think
2: Mark, Mike, Rev
1: three of. They got their act together in the last four years, and then being here, you know, pick up a few things from it.
2: Um, I get the feeling that watching Kyle Peters' Strava activity for the next year is going to be quite amusing as well. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: he, hey, re- he really wants it. It's a
1: scoop here. Kyle's t- actually taking a week's vacation while he's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got a team finish. Yeah, we got old... How about that? Alive. Imagine and it's an Australian team. We get you get everything on plan. Um, Do you guys have any penalties?
2: No, nope, no penalties. No. We were we were very good boys and behaved ourselves very well.
1: And I was just curious because I wanted to, you know see how the. It seems like having the referees
2: was a step in the right direction for the sport. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's been a few races recently, but there's been a fair amount of controversy. I think. Um, I think Expert Africa went um, back to get a control that they missed. Yeah and then terror with all the um, all the time adjustments. Yeah. So I think it, it's good to have some kind of reasonably independent people to just yeah. provide some adjudication on it. So, yeah, I'm all for that. I know. I'm very happy not to have to make those decisions. Yes. I mean, because
1: it usually comes down to the race director who has to do that, and that's kind of a two-edged sword for him. Cause
2: it is. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think particularly with regard to Itera, that's in part um, yeah. part of the reason why Jack Sturlo is taking a temporary absence from race directing, which yeah. certainly for the racing in the UK is a is a massive blow. I mean, yeah. he's done so much for adventure racing in the UK, and I think everyone in the UK team is very thankful to him um, yeah. for putting on Itera and TereX and the Open Series. Yeah. Um, so, although I think we need to
1: say that that race was a little bit of an outlier with the weather. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it's just
2: when they ended up pulling out, pretty
0: amazing. <laughs>
2: Everyone knows it rains in Ireland, but I think for it to rain that much in Ireland is, is, is mm. exceptional. Yeah, when the locals are thinking, man, it's raining a lot. That's... I have to say that was one of the only races where I've been sat in front of a computer screen and have genuinely been thankful that I'm not racing. <laughs> yeah. So, I had a couple of people ring me up in the weeks coming up to the race with teams looking for, for people. And, will you fly back to the, Will you fly back to the UK to race Itero? Like, mm. <laughs> no, I can't really do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like oh thank god so what's a training week like for you um at the moment it's a bit tricky with the baby yeah. um it's i've had to move from doing sort of longer lower in you know lower intensity things like you know normally i'd go for a six hour ride at the weekend or a long run um, and it's had, it's had to move far more towards shorter high intensity stuff um, but i live Sort of 15 kilometres from where I work, um, so I'll usually catch the train in the morning and then run home in the evening, or cycle both ways.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, just recently, I've been getting up early, half five, six foot and doing an hour's paddling on Sydney Harbour before before work. It probably doesn't Which, To suck. be honest, it doesn't suck. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, there's something about paddling, you know, past the Opera House, under the bridge, in, yeah. under crystal crystal blue skies. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a few photos posted on Facebook just to make people back in the UK jealous. Yeah. Um, so that's been pretty good. And to be honest, I was really, really glad that I did the paddle training because there was a lot of paddling in this race. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: and then at the weekends, um, Nicky and I will try and go orienteering, um, which is good because you know generally the start windows are open for long enough that one of us can get a run and then hand Emma over to the other one and the other one can get a run in too. Uh, so yeah, I mean... 10 hours of training a week maybe. It's, it's probably been a little bit underdone for this, but yeah. it's it's about what we can realistically fit in at the yeah. moment. But 10 hours of training goes a long way if you if you do work it, hard during those 10 right. hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and you've got the base. I mean, what do get? Almost 10 years of racing now? Uh, six?
2: Seven, eight, something like that, yeah. 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 So, so I, I do try to keep a fairly good base level of fitness the year round. Yeah, I just step it up for, for big races like this. Pick, pick it up just a little bit yeah you know. yeah. and to be honest I think once you've done a long race and you've got through the full course and you've managed to do it reasonably competitively you you realise that you can do it
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and as long as you're not the slowest person on the team you're probably not going to be in a world doing so Yeah. That's so g- generally the ambition is not to be the slowest person on the
1: team
2: uh, as I've worked out now that if you admit to having done some paddle training, then you get the heavy boat and all the kits carry things. So it's like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> I? haven't
1: touched touch the boat. I'm you're on the front of the like, right, right, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like you're not
2: going to get soaked no matter where you're sitting on the boat. Oh, no. <laughs> the first paddle work was an interesting one later um, come from the Mississippi so she paddles on the Mississippi River quite a lot but I don't think she's ever done much ocean paddling yeah. so I think that the chop and the swell as we went out round the point in the first uh, yeah. in, the, in the first stage was a bit disconcerting for her we had to, we had to do a bit of quick convincing that we weren't going to die right. and that everyone was going to be okay if they tip over somebody will come help here. Yeah. how much
1: so I was on the, the photo boat the big boat out there and there's like there's points where it's like seemed like there's you know, huge swells and their point was pretty
2: flat, I mean, is that is that what you guys experienced? It like? Yeah, it's pretty much. The run out to the first control, so the, I don't know, 12k leg or something, across jones Bay, and that was pretty much straight into the incoming winds you know, and shot. So that wasn't actually too bad, because, you know, your nose onto the waves, and yeah, okay, it's popping up and down a bit, but it wasn't too hard. Um, The difficulty came when you rounded the point and then you had to go sort of across the waves for maybe a kilometre into the beach. That's that's the nastier one because it's kind of corkscrewing. Both boats are corkscrewing. We had one boat on tow, so they're they're tied together. Yeah. Um, So the action of one boat is then pulling the other boat around. um, That was a bit more uncomfortable, and um, you're also. you're trying to find that balance between taking the racing line and not being too close to the rocks because there was some fairly big breakers breaking onto the rocks. Yeah. I think that's where Thule came a bit unstuck, from what I heard. No. Didn't they try and shoot the gap between the rocks and it uh, oh, always probably on that little point? Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, we. I mean, we looked at it. I was for and The other three were back paddling at the time. There's no way we could do that. But yeah, I mean.
1: How much time would that really have saved you? Uh, not very much. In three minutes,
2: maybe. So yeah, in a uh, but if you, race. But if you're right at the point at the yeah, end of
1: the that's competition, true. Yeah. Uh,
2: and it's the first day and your blood is up, then three minutes makes a big difference. Can you, Were you guys yeah. affected by that? I,
1: I think I don't think you can be. not be at that start. You can't, you can't just go cranking and cranking. And you're telling yourself, we're going to be out of here. Five days. Why are we battling? Why it's, are we redlining right now? It's impossible. Yeah. My, my,
2: my friends always joke that my ambition seems to be to lead the lead the race gloriously at one point, even the, you know even if it's only for five seconds. Because I generally go out I'm like a like a shut a gun uh, you know, If there's a camera in the first corner, I always want to be the first person
0: past. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah,
2: we. We probably did go out a bit faster on that first day uh, and it caused a few issues and we, we had to back down and just
3: yeah.
2: reassess where we were and what we were doing and, and you know, just remind ourselves that this is going to be a five or six day race for us
3: to make sure we gets through it rather right? yeah. can on Yeah, it can be easy to do because
2: it's, it's a... Oh, the, pa- the pace was that, that was being set on the... 14k beach run on stage two was it was pretty hot, I and mean, I was thinking this probably isn't sustainable. Yeah, we, were, we had people on tow, we were yeah. you know, swapping backpacks between each other. And it was just like, hang on, an hour, you know, an yeah. hour and a half into a beach run, which is only five hours into the race. Yeah, yeah we we'd, we'd we'd probably need to just you cool know, down a bit. A
1: person should probably just like, hey guys, let's just stop uh, and sit for five minutes, <laughs> yeah. and maybe maybe that'll get you out of that race mode for a yeah. little while. But. so it's pretty amazing so um, alright, I got one last question except I I always say that and then I have more would you let your daughter marry an adventure racer?
2: (laughs) (laughs) it depends which team he was from I guess (laughs) yeah, I would Um, you know, I I hope she grows up to be an adventure racer Um, I think we're going to certainly try and put her through as much outdoor activity as possible I mean, my, my parents were perfectly happy when I was a kid to let me roam around in the woods and go out on bikes yeah. and, you know, I think that gave me a level of independence and self-belief um, that I'd certainly like going to and, You know, adventure racers, they tend to be pretty cool people. So. They give me So, hey, here we go again. Um so why are you in Australia? Um, my company asked me to come out and help with a big motorway tunnel project building in Sydney, so they're building a new 9km long uh, motorway tunnel from the airport out to you know, beyond the western suburbs to try and alleviate some of the massive traffic problems. And apparently I had the right things on my resume, so I got a phone call out of the blue one day and uh, someone saying, would you like to work in Australia for 6 months? To which the answer was, oh let me think about that for a minute. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're now a I'll, I'll just now. check the dates of the World Championships. Oh yes, yes, yes. I would. So, um... And kind of why I asked that is because kids
1: here do stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen the school kids going down to fish in the middle of the day. For, is it like that in England if you go back there? I mean, will she have your daughter have the same opportunities there, do you think, to I'm, be... I be think like the,
2: the adventure racer. I think sports in Australia is a massive thing. It's probably bigger than it is in the UK, uh, or at least it's bigger in, in different ways. Um, mass participation sports here are huge, and I think to some extent the climate and um, the location, yeah, you know, particularly around Sydney. We, yeah, we see kids going. Sick. Hey,
1: that's see You're on the podcast now. Now you don't have an excuse to have
2: a real episode.
1: <laughs> see you later. <laughs>
2: So yeah, we see kids going surfing before school, you know, yeah. Yeah. little kids of you know, 10 and 11 carrying their surfboards yeah. along the street at 6am to surfing before school. Um, yeah. Sport is a massive, massive thing here. Um, I wish it were bigger in the UK. Yeah.
0: yeah, I was over
1: at Malibu one morning waiting for a team and there's like like 20 like, six-year-olds learning to surf. Yeah. Like, These countries are just too strange for me. Yeah. Like they let their kids actually do stuff.
2: Yeah, it's good. I mean, the climate in the UK is obviously not as nice as it is here. Um, and I think doing sport outside is more fun when you're doing it in the sun. And yeah, I think that, yeah. That may definitely. go a long way, because, you know, my, my memories of school sport involve a lot of standing around on playing fields in the rain feeling a bit miserable and a bit cold. Yeah. Um, I think I've been transferred to an Australian climate when I'm standing on a playing field in, you know... Sunshine, and, sunshine and blue cloud. Yeah, sunshine and blue sky. That would be much more fun. So yeah. I can see why kids like it here. Um, having said that, the UK stuffed the Australians in the Olympics. So, so there you go. We're obviously doing something right. Yep. So um, do either you or
1: your partner have yeah, the next
2: race picked yeah. out or are you just. Um, as I said, maybe God's own. Um I suspect it will involve a bit of negotiation. Um, I definitely owe her a massive favour so it it may not be my turn Um, having said that she may not be fit enough at the moment to want to do it so I don't know. Other than that there's a race in Slovenia. Adventure Race Slovenia, which is a really, really good race. I've I've done it twice before. Um, It's a 48-hour kind of score event with more disciplines in it than I've ever seen in anything before, Um, and it's just really, really good fun. Um, So I'd love to get back over there and do that if I can put a team together for it.
1: Cool. Well, I suppose we
2: are. You all packed up, got everything gear ready. Of course, it's you know it's one of your standard questions, isn't it? So, well, it, it is a little I mean, different. It's, it's normally getting to the race, but this is get, getting yeah. I mean, the you're race. here. Yeah, you oh. had you had a couple days. there put away. And you just have like a full drive in your home, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, pretty much. So yeah, I'm going to catch the airport oh, transfer wow. up to Sydney tomorrow, and then i just need to hop on the train across town. Um, but no, in answer to your question, no, I haven't started packing. <laughs> <laughs> I have done some washing, but I haven't started packing. Yeah, so,
1: yeah it's been kind of a zoo around here, but.
2: It's um, pretty good. It's I'm sh- mostly ready. It's a shame we don't have video on the podcast because the, the compound where all the teams are storing their bike boxes and kit boxes looks like an adventure uh, jumble sale. Yeah. Right? where right. there is kit everywhere.
1: Exactly. And if and if you're listening to this and they're still going on,
2: uh, not. There's some really good bargains to be had on gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a whole lot of this- there's a whole lot of teams selling stuff because it's, it's going to work out better for them than paying the uh, yeah. excess baggage on the way home. So, uh, cool. Maybe I'll go and have a look and see what I can pick up.
1: There you go. All right. Well, everybody else, go fast, take chances. We're not because we're kind of done for the season. Time for an ice cream. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks, Randy. Enjoyed Enjoy it. it fun. Thanks very much.
3: So. Back a few months ago, I was headlining the Great Big Night Club. And he put me up a couple of days early I came in a couple of days early And they put me up at what they call the star suite Now here I am Headliner In one of the biggest nightclubs in the country And I wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning In this star suite All by myself Yeah, that's what I said All But I did what I've always done, man Tear myself up I picked up my guitar I sat down And wrote me a little song now this is how it feels to be alone at the top of the hill and trying to figure out why. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're perfect in every way I can't wait to look in the mirror Cause I get better looking each day To know me I must be a hell of a man Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble But I'm doing the best that I can I used to have a girlfriend But I guess she just couldn't compete With all of these love-starved women clamoring at my feet Well, I probably could find me another But I guess they're all in all of me Who cares? I never get lonesome Cause I treasure my own company Oh, Lord, it's hard In every way Can't wait to look in the mirror Can't wait to look in the mirror Help me out now, come on I get better looking each day To know me is to what? To know me is to love me Must be a hell of a man I Must be a hell of a man Oh Lord, it's hard Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're doing what? We're doing the best that we can Yes, you could say I'm a loner, a cowboy outlaw, nothing proud. Well, I could have lots of friends if I wanted, but then I wouldn't stand out from the crowd. Some folks say that I'm egotistical. Hell, I don't even know what that means. I guess it has something to do with the way that I fill out my skin-tight blue jeans Oh, come on, where's all the kickers in here? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way you're perfect in every way Can't wait to look in the mirror I can't wait to look in the mirror Cause I get better looking get better looking each day To know me is to what? To know me is to love me it Must be a hell of a man Must be the hell of a man Oh Lord, it's hard Lord, it's hard to be humble What are we doing? We're doing the best that we can One more time, what are we doing? We're doing the best that we can Give hey, yourself hands Woo! <laughs>